Good morning, Chapel Hill. All right, you're going to need your Bibles again this morning, so go ahead and take your Bibles out, open up your Bible apps, and if you do not have a Bible with you this morning to follow along in, just go ahead and put your hand up, and our ushers will bring one around to you that you can use to follow along in, and if you are receiving one of those Bibles and you do not currently have one of your own, just keep the one that you receive and take it with you. Uh, it is, uh, it's always just a strange feeling for me when, I, when I'm not up here for a couple of Sundays, and then I come back and I'm up here and, and I wasn't actually away. That's what's strange about it, is just not doing that. But it was a wonderful, it was God's timing that uh, we had scheduled someone else to come up here and do the preaching for a couple of weeks. Peter, thank you so much for your messages the last two weeks. They were absolutely outstanding. <laughs> That, uh, that was a blessing for me. It, uh, number one, I learned and was encouraged. And number two, it gave me some time to prepare for this Sunday. And next Sunday, um, I'm going to go away this week um, for, for Monday to Friday. I'm going to go out to Vancouver and be with my parents. And um, I just uh, ask for your continued prayers there. They are uh, both stable right now and at home and doing pretty well. Um, and I'm going to go out and uh, give my older sister, who's been caring for them, an opportunity to focus on her own life and some stuff that's going on with her, uh, including having broken bones and a foot that she's just been ignoring so she can take care of my parents and she's going to get that looked at this week. Um, and so just uh, appreciate your prayers as I head out there to spend some time with them and encourage them and support my sister and what she's doing and, um, and just give everybody a little change of pace for a little while. So um, thank you for that. All right. This series of messages that we've been doing on prayer um, has been really meaningful for me, and I hope that it has been for you as well. Um, here's where my mind keeps going as we dig into the subject of prayer. One day soon, Jesus is coming back. He's coming to set things right again. He's coming to finish the restoration that he started of what he created and when he comes, his kingdom will come with him. And when he comes, God will establish his presence here with us forever. God will live with us. We will live with God. And that will be our amazing, perfect, beyond anything that we can imagine, reality. Forever. Uninterrupted. Adam and Eve, way back at the beginning, walked with God in the garden. They were together that will be our experience too. God with us, us with God, all of us living in perfect harmony for eternity. That communion with God will never be broken. I cannot wrap my mind around that, but I also can't wait for it to happen. Face to face with our creator, with our father, eye to eye, God with us, us with God. So stretch your mind a little bit this morning and try to imagine what that might be like. Imagine the joy of being in his presence, in God's presence forever. Our perfected selves together with our perfect God. Okay, before you pull a muscle in your imagination, let me give you something easier to imagine. Imagine with me what that experience will not be like. Face to face with God, we will strive to set aside and commit to five minutes at the end of each day asking him for stuff. 
self-conscious of the risk that we're taking of not getting it right, we'll ask someone else to talk to God on our behalf. Once in a while, we'll study what it means to be in union with God, who's right there in front of us, and then get distracted by everything but God as we go about our day. And once in a while, we'll feel some pretty serious but short-lived guilt over not having talked to this God who's right there in front of us. Now see, it's much easier to imagine what things won't be like when God's here with us and we're here with God. But what's even harder than imagining what it might be like is practicing his presence with us right now when we can't see him, but we do know he's here. I think we need some help experiencing God now, even if that experience is just a a fraction, just a blurry silhouette of what it'll be like when Jesus comes back. My goal this morning is to get us a little closer in our current experience of this union with God that we've been talking about. And we know this union with God is enhanced, it's deepened, it's developed through prayer. And we know that out of this union flows all kinds of things that positively affect our lives. In this union, we draw all that we need to flourish from God. We draw life itself from God, and so I think we have to continue to give this prayer thing our attention and keep learning to draw that life from Him. Kyle and I have been working our way through, uh, recently, through a book called Dangerous Calling. It's about being in ministry full-time, and it identifies and it fights back against some of the things that can happen in the hearts and minds of those who are called to vocational ministry. And I think there's a lot in there that applies to every single one of us since we are all, all called to ministry in some way or another. One of the enemies that we face when it comes to God's will for us and our union with him is familiarity. I think this is a powerful opponent when it comes to prayer. Familiarity sucks the life out of things like prayer that should bring us joy and fulfillment and strength and perspective and hope, life itself. There's a risk that we all face that prayer becomes so familiar to us that it loses its power. The act of prayer is too familiar. Even the one we're praying to becomes too familiar. Think about your own prayer experience. Maybe it has some of these characteristics sometimes. We speak to a truly invisible recipient. It's a familiar void. He doesn't talk back. We don't always get answers of of any kind. There's just a lot of silence on the other end of the line, so prayer becomes just a one-way statement of whatever we speak into that void. The content of prayer becomes too familiar. Last night's prayer was pretty much a word-for-word repetition of the prayer I prayed the night before. The time of prayer becomes too familiar. Same time, same amount of time. The emotion behind our prayers becomes familiar, and usually there's very little emotion or passion. The selfishness of prayer becomes too familiar. We pray for ourselves according to our own understanding and desires and sometimes feel guilty for being that selfish in prayer. But it's what we do and it's hard to change. Prayer sometimes 
just gets reduced to us asking for stuff and that familiarity drains the life out of prayer. But I'll readily acknowledge that we have been commanded by Jesus to ask. And so it's not the asking itself that's the problem. It's the familiarity of that asking becoming the essence of what we're doing when we pray. Well, this morning I want to challenge that familiarity I have something in mind that I'd actually like to become very familiar with when I pray. And that something is awe. Any experience that doesn't include a sense of awe in us be, can become far too familiar in a negative way. We know this. We enter a new relationships and there's a, a level of awe in that relationship early on. That person creates in us a sense of awe. We start a new hobby or recreational activity, and that activity creates a sense of awe in us, at least for a little while. I don't remember a time in my life when prayer was not a part of my daily experience. I learned to pray at a very young age. We prayed as a family when I was growing up. I learned to pray for and with others. I learned to pray on my own. In my marriage, our day, every single day, ends with prayer. And for me, I'll admit that there have been many points in my life when the act of prayer has become all too familiar and has lost, for me, that sense of awe. There's a, a phrase that sums up what happens to me when that awe is lacking. That phrase is speaking without seeing. Very obvious lesson in all this is that the act of prayer itself is not automatically awe-producing. Prayer is absolutely essential in my life, in all of our lives. It's meant to be a vehicle to something amazing in our experience. That something is our union with God. But prayer itself, especially when it's reduced to me simply saying things to an invisible being, can become familiar somewhere far short of what it's meant to be. And honestly, we have to learn, I have to learn, to see again. And I mean really see. So I tried to relate this to my own human experience. Um, I'm 58 years old now, and I don't see like I used to. I've been on a steady progression over recent years from the addition of some starter reading glasses, like a 1.25 strength, and now rapidly passing 2.0. My sermon notes have graduated from size 10 font to size 16. I have a jumbo print Bible that I still need glasses for. And I'm so prideful in accepting, accepting all this that I still won't wear glasses when I'm up here. <laughs> Actually, it's not pride as much as it is the reality that when I'm looking at my notes, when I'm reading my notes, if I'm looking with glasses at those and I look up at you and then back down and back up, I get a massive headache from that, so I don't do it. But the truth is that I need help seeing. And when it comes to prayer, I need help seeing in that context as well. Me speaking without seeing isn't doing me much good in my prayer life. Prayer becomes a one-way act that lacks something, and that something is awe. I want that awe to be part of every experience I have in my union with God. So let's work on that. All right, think for a moment about these celebrity encounters you may have had in your life. 
All right, bring those to mind. When were you in the presence of someone famous? Well, I've had a few. Uh, I rehearsed lines for a TV show audition with Michael J. Fox. I once ran into, um, physically ran into, face to chest, an old pro wrestler named Randy the Macho Man Savage <laughs> in an airport. It was terrible. I've sat down and chatted with Phil Kagey, who is arguably the greatest guitarist of all time. At a gas station in Washington State, I met and talked with Billy Brown from the show Alaskan Bush People. That was great. I even had a certain well-known local football quarterback standing right at my office door over here the other day for about 10 minutes. Now, when these encounters happen to us, we can easily get a little starstruck, can't we? But think about this. The creator of the universe invites us into his presence and welcomes us to abide there. Never mind starstruck. That's a little human thing. Where's the awe in that? How could something like prayer, speaking, listening, sharing thoughts, emotions, values, perspective, and priorities with God himself ever become even slightly familiar or lackluster? How could prayer ever lose its wonder? This experience shouldn't result in anything short of blowing our minds. But if we're merely speaking without seeing, we're missing it, aren't we? So let's see what we can see for a bit here. We were given all kinds of help to do this. So turn to, turn to Psalm 145. Some of that was just up on the screen. Last week, Kyle included some verses from this great psalm in the worship set. Let's look now at the whole psalm. And as we do, I want you to look for anything that might help us see who we're speaking to. This is Psalm 145, written by David. And he says this, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. 
The Lord is faithful in all his works and kind in all, in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. So was David, who wrote this psalm, in awe of God here? <laughs> yeah, it kind of seems like he was. More importantly, did reading this psalm create anything in you and in me? Were you moved by this reminder of who God is? Did something in you stir as you listened to a declaration of all that God has done, is doing, and will do? Did God come more clearly into focus as we received these words from the Bible? I'm praying that this psalm had some kind of an impact on us. I'm praying that God came into focus for us, even if only for a few minutes. But here's a question that applies directly to what we're talking about this morning. Having absorbed the words of Psalm 145, what would you like to say to God right now after reading this psalm? Anything come to mind? Psalm 145 is full of response triggers. There are statements that we can easily just repeat and direct them at God. There are truths that nudge us to formulate some kind of statement that agrees with or affirms that truth. Like, yes, God, you are majestic, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in love. This psalm triggers all kinds of thanksgiving opportunities for us. It challenges us to devote ourselves to things like declaring God's goodness to the next generation. We're invited here to call on God. That sharing that I've been talking about, the, the sharing of our thoughts and emotions and values and perspective and priorities can certainly spring out of this kind of thing, this psalm. And how can we not be moved to awe by everything that is said here about God? This truly is the one we're speaking to. The psalm gives us a picture. It helps us see, and from that place of seeing, then we're moved to speak. And that is so often what's lacking for us in our, in our prayer life, speaking without seeing. So let me expand this now with a, a bit of a progression. Experiencing this kind of awe can lead us down a very fruitful road when it comes to prayer. 
It does so much more than just produce words that flow from our lips. So let me explain this a little bit. Just follow this progression. If we truly begin our interaction with God with an experience of awe, that can lead to good, good things. Seeing God first in our prayer and being awestruck by who he is causes us to focus And what I mean by focus is pretty simple. It's not just about eliminating distractions. When I say focus, I mean that we set our focus on the right thing, which is, in this case, the right person. We can easily focus on ourselves in prayer. What do we want? What do we need to say? How are we doing at this prayer thing? But all leads us to focus solely on God. And that's where our focus should be in the first place. We're not done there. The focus on God that we gain from being awestruck by him creates in us a much-needed sense of humility. Focused on him, we really should, like David himself did many, many times, begin to see ourselves in light of who he is. Now we're getting to where we need to be. In light of who God is, who am I? Well, start low and work your way up. I'm nothing compared to him. David used words like worm to describe himself, but he didn't stop there, and neither should we, because God has a way in which he sees us. And now we're getting to the right kind of humility. We don't, we don't just think lowly of ourselves. We think of ourselves the way God thinks of us. It's a great place to be. In that state of humility, what comes out of our mouths in prayer is is far more likely to be sincere. No rehearsed words designed to impress, no masks, nothing fake about our prayers, just sincerity. Because we see who we are in light of God and we're focused on God and not ourselves and we're blown away with God's greatness and so we speak, listen, and share sincerely. In the 1990s, there was a Christian alternative band that I followed, uh, the 77s. Um, I love this band to this day. I always will love this band Um, They sing about real things with deep sincerity and authenticity. And they produced a new album back then one year, and the recording label they'd been using refused to release their album under their recording label. They wouldn't do it. It was a Christian recording label, and they refused to release the new 77s album unless they changed the title of the album. Because the album was called Pray Naked. And this was exactly the point that that band was making. Authenticity in our prayers. No fake us, just the real us, without pretense, encountering God, sincerely. One more thing that happens in this progression that I'll mention, um, it's actually the goal of all this. Awe leads to focus on God, Focus leads to humility. Humility leads to sincerity. And sincerity leads to intimacy. God wants to know the real us. He just wants the real you, not some version of you that you work to present. 
And he wants to know us intimately, closely, completely, to where we become one with him. Before I wrap this message up, I want to attempt to motivate you even further when it comes to this awe of God that I've been talking about. Awe of God can and should have a significant impact on our prayers. Awe of God will lead us to greater closeness, greater intimacy in our union with God through prayer. But the impact of awe goes farther. I want to read you a paragraph from the book that I mentioned earlier that Kyle and I have been looking at. This describes the potential impact of awe really well. Listen to what he writes. Awe of God should be the reason I do what I do with my thoughts. It should be the reason I desire what I desire. Awe of God should be the reason I treat my wife the way I do and parent my children in the manner I do. It should be the reason I function the way I do at my job or handle my finances the way I do. It should structure the way I think about physical possession and personal position and power. Awe of God should shape and motivate my relationship with my extended family and my neighbors. Awe of God should give direction to the way I live as a citizen of the wider community. It should form the way I think about myself and my expectations of others. Awe of God should lift me out of my darkest moments of discouragement and be the source of my most exuberant celebrations. Awe of God should make me more self-aware and more mournful of my sin while it makes me more patient with and tender toward the weakness of others. It should give me courage I would have no other way and wisdom to know where I am out of my league. Awe of God is meant to rule every domain of my existence. And as we grow in our understanding and practice of prayer, let's keep this idea of the awe of God very clearly in our sights. It has the potential to impact every aspect of who we are. I would challenge you, um, and myself as always, to make the awe of God the starting point to prayer much more often than I do, than we do. I'm not saying that we don't pray without this. Sometimes, honestly, we just need to cry out to God no matter what we're going through, what we're doing, where we are, and that is a valid way to pray. But I do believe that overall the impact that being struck with awe will have on our prayers is significant. That starting point can be as simple as taking the time to read Scripture before we take a second step in prayer. So let me give you some guidance. Psalm 145, as we've seen, is a great place to go to open up that sense of awe. So are Psalms 8, 40, 65, 98, 146, and 150. Use something like this, or try taking the time to write out your thoughts on the character of God, what it is about God that creates awe in you, something that gets you focused. There are many ways to do this, but my point this morning is this. No more speaking without seeing. 
Let's take a good look at the one who has invited us into his presence to commune with him in prayer and let him lead us from there. All right, let's pray before we close our worship or close our service with a time of worship and song. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And in your own way, whatever that is, in the quietness of this moment, in the stillness of your mind and your heart, commit to seeing God. More than just speaking to him. Tell him you want to see him more. Father, we are struck this morning again by who you are. We are filled with awe as we consider your greatness, your majesty, your power, your love, your forgiveness, your acceptance of us, your wisdom, all of it. And God, I ask that you would forgive us for those times when we've just sort of missed that and gone straight to speaking. And I know, Father, there are times when we need to just cry out, and we do, but help us when we have that opportunity to focus on you and allow you to lead us through the process of prayer, of union with you. Don't let us miss the opportunity to see you for who you are. And God, I want to thank you this morning just for the incredible reality that you have invited us into your presence, into union with you, lovingly, compassionately, graciously, you accept us, you draw us into your presence because you have made us holy through Christ, and you welcome us to stay there and commune with you. Share and deepen our union with you that will last for all of eternity. And in that reality, God, help us to see you and be moved by who you are. You are an awesome God. And we are awestruck people, your creation, your sheep. We love you for who you are. We offer ourselves to you. And we do this in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen.